0: My dad. My little boy. (laughs) Good morning. Oh, I'm somewhere in between here. Good morning. We got a few people in the parking lot out there? All right. I hear some horns. Well done. Now be quiet. Always got to be one. Have the last word. Or the last honk. So we are wrapping up our series today, The Call of the King. If you're visiting, we are glad to have you. Uh, Looks like we got plenty of space in here to social distance, but we are just going to keep plugging on with the work of the Lord and the joy of the fellowship that we can have, even with the limitations and the the ways that uh, we are trying to figure out how to make this all work best. So, this series has been centered on the question, what kind of priority are we giving Jesus Christ in our everyday lives? And how do we take that seriously, Uh, this call of Jesus to give our hearts and our lives fully over to his hands? And a lot of times, to be or become the person God would have us be seems impossible to us. Seems defeating. We know the trouble of sin that keeps coming back. We know the trouble of other people who are maybe not living the way they are supposed to. We are blind in some ways to our own needs. So a lot of times we are defeated in our growth in Christ's likeness, not because of the vision of who we are supposed to be just seems like a bridge too far. A lot of times we're defeated in growth in Christ likeness because we have failed to identify our next little baby step. Baby steps that we need to take. You ever see that movie What About Bob some years ago? Baby steps here. Got to take baby steps. So we don't know and we haven't thought about a lot of times what is my next little baby step of faith need to be and look like? Uh, Because if we fail to identify our next steps, the next thing the Lord is calling us to, you know, maybe we've been stuck in a place for a long time. If we we aren't actively working towards something, we get stagnant, we get complacent, we get comfortable. We don't really grow, we don't really change. So if your faith and your practice and what we do here in church, if you're restless, if you're bored, uh, let me boldly suggest that somehow you're doing it wrong. I know some of that's on me. I can preach a boring sermon. I got to own that. You know, maybe our songs are a little bit out there, and maybe the music notes are different than what we're singing. Okay, we have little things that we just don't get perfect. And but if you're doing it right. The Christian life was never meant to be a long, slow fade. I've done the work I'm supposed to do, I've been baptized, I've confessed my sins, whatever, I've done these few things, and now I'm moving on. And we're just kind of coasting through our life. And I would suggest that the spiritual heroics that we need in this place are not the grand gestures as much as they are the little baby steps of faith that we take in our real lives to just move in some small way toward our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is your next little step toward Jesus? Think about that. That's something we all need to ask as individuals. What in my life is my next little baby step toward Jesus? So one little baby step I'm going to push upon you is I noticed that our picture board needs some updating, so I took down and got rid of all of the pictures on the board. Uh, Our church has been through a lot of changes this last year, and it's just in some small way I think we need to acknowledge that. And while getting new pictures taken for our member board, we have a lot of new people to add, a lot of people that aren't there anymore. It doesn't seem like that big a deal. It is some small way for us to recognize, you know, this last couple years has been a change for us. And it's a small way that we can say, I'm still here. I'm with you. I'm in with the Eugene Church of Christ. And I think that symbols are important. And uh, just give me grace in that. Uh, it's not a thing to say, oh, well, they took my picture down. I guess they don't want me any, here anymore. And it's not a thing to say, uh, well, like you heard the guy who got married and said, I, well, I love you and never says it again. Well, I told her when we got married, you know, and this is just a little way for us, I think, as a community to say, I love you and we're still here. And we're still trying, and we still want to honor the Lord and be the Lord's church in this place. So over the next few weeks, or however long it takes, let's start rebuilding that board and putting new updated pictures up from our families. Uh, The last couple weeks, we've been talking about concrete steps that we need to take in effectively answering the call of King Jesus. So two weeks ago, we talked about simplicity, purity of heart is to will one thing. Seeking first the kingdom of God needs to be that one thing in our lives. Simplicity is about helping get us focused. It's about ruthlessly cutting away any distraction or sins that would challenge the lordship of Jesus Christ in our hearts. We got to get it out. We got to get serious about it. We got to get focused. And then last week, we talked about the gifts of confession and repentance and how when we bring confession and repentance into our lives, it leads to things like forgiveness, a right relationship with God, and it leads to freedom. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, living that reality of freedom, of a right relationship with our Lord and Savior. And so we talked about how this happens. It's usually steps of progressive growth in the spiritual life as we grow in our ability to recognize sin, recognize our own stuff, and our grow in our ability to actually fight sins that have become ingrained, habitual sins. And then we talked about what a gift we have in Jesus. If you are a sinner, you can't have a better friend than Jesus Christ. And so many people don't realize. You just feel like this shame and this weight, and I've drugged this in with the Lord a hundred times. You, we don't fully realize and grasp how Jesus Christ is a friend to sinners. In sin, you cannot have a better friend than Jesus. He knows exactly where to meet us and what to do with the things that we've done. And uh, he doesn't leave us in the mess of the things we've done. He meets us where we are, but then he asks us to change. So this question that we've been asking these last few weeks, I want to build off it a little bit more. If you really want to change, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? So a couple weeks ago, simplicity. You need to get focused. Last week, confession and repentance. you got to get real. If you want to change, you got to get real. And this week, if you want to change, I would suggest also that you got to get quiet. Listening to the groans of your own heart. Listening for the still, small voice of God. So I heard a sermon preached by my friend Trevor Hudson, and this is based off of his sermon that he preached on Romans chapter 8, all about listening to the groans. And I thought these would be appropriate words to end this series, The Call of the King, a call to get quiet and to pay attention to what's going on on the inside. Because it's the groans of our heart It's the groans of our heart that show us what we're longing for. What are we really longing for? It's the groans of our heart that help us identify the places where we're hurting, the places where we need healing. You see, King Jesus, he understands your heart better than you understand it yourself. And Jesus helps us not only to get focused and to get real, he also helps us to get quiet and to listen, to listen to the groans. So this is from Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 22. We know, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, as daughters, the redemption of our bodies, For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The word of the Lord. So I don't know if this story is true or not. It's a story about the renowned scientist Albert Einstein. Uh, I thought I'd share it because it's just a beautiful story. Uh, Albert Einstein was on a train and he was traveling through the states at one point. And the conductor went around and he was taking the tickets, clicking the tickets, and this conductor comes to Albert Einstein, and the great scientist, he couldn't find his ticket. He didn't know where his ticket was. And the conductor just offhandly says, people have that problem all the time. The conductor said, sir, don't worry about it. I'll check back with you later in about 30 minutes so that you have, fi- so that you have the time you need to find your ticket. No problem, I'll just come back. So 30 minutes later, the conductor returns. And the great scientist is on all fours on the floor of the train. Briefcase open, papers scattered everywhere, desperately searching for his ticket. And suddenly the conductor realized, he hadn't realized before, this man is Albert Einstein. And so he says, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about the ticket. I trust you. Just don't worry about it. I trust that you bought it. It's okay. And Dr. Einstein said, Young man, it's not a matter of trust. I need to have my ticket. Otherwise, I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) And I like this story because it gives us a simple metaphor we can all understand. We're all on this train of faith. And we really need to have our tickets. Because without them, we don't always have a very clear sense of where we are going. If we are going to genuinely love our God, love our neighbors, love ourselves, we need to know where we are going. If we're really going to respond to the call of King Jesus to bring healing and redemption to God's world, You need to have your ticket. What are those tickets? I think it has something to do with learning to listen to the groans. How well are you doing at listening to the groans all around you? Well, we know about the amazing opening words of Romans 8. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we know about the incredible uh, ending of Romans chapter 8. I am convinced that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Great and wonderful promises in this chapter. But sandwiched in the middle of that chapter, this, this beautiful chapter, one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture, Bracketed by these wonderful promises is a practical reality in the middle of the chapter of noticing and paying attention to three different groans. Three different deep groans. And I think one of the calls of King Jesus is to help us listen to these groans. Learn to pay attention to these groans. To let the Spirit speak to you, the Holy Spirit interpret for you. So let's look at these groans of Romans chapter 8. Groan number one is all of creation. Creation. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So I'm reluctant to say anything about this. Uh, uh, a man should never say much of anything about labor pains and the pains of childhood or childbirth. Uh, but I have witnessed it three different times, firsthand, very close and personal. And every time I wanted to run away and hide. See, there's only probably a quarter of us or less in this room right now who've actually experienced the pain of childbirth, who know in your body what that experience is like, who have direct knowledge of that experience of giving birth to another human being. Well, it's a very powerful image, isn't it? It's a striking image, a world in bondage, In the bondage to a situation, it cannot escape. There's no getting out of it. It's just there and you've got to go through it. A world characterized by pain, by futility, by frustration. A world that is longing for relief, longing to get out of this situation it's in. A world that is longing for redemption and what is yet to come. We live in a world that groans deeply. It groans deeply for the newness that God longs himself to give it. And I got to say a few words that, you know, sometimes Christians, we have a very painful tendency to turn our backs on a world that God loves. A world that God created with us in it that he calls very good. Very good. But as Jesus becomes the Lord of your life and truth, I think he helps us open our eyes to see the world more clearly, to understand where the real battles are more clearly, the real needs where they are, to see those things, to hear those things more clearly. So, our King Jesus, he helps open our eyes to see things we've never seen before. He helps open our ears to hear things that we've never heard before. And some of the things that we learn to hear are these groans all around us, the groans of this world, the groans of creation, a creation that's been subjected to sin and evil And when we grow into these, we begin to learn how to hear things we hadn't heard before. Now, obviously, you can't engage every groan that's out there. It's impossible. We're very too small, uh, very much too small. We're very much too limited to do that. But maybe there is a groan in your life that somehow has gotten a hold of you. Some situation, a groan of the world that comes to mind, that has a particular significance to you. It disturbs you maybe. Maybe it keeps you up at night. These groans of the creation that God brings to our attention, it's like he's he's giving us, he's trying to get our attention, uh, calling us, I want you to engage this groan. And we need to learn how to listen to those things and act on those things. The groan, perhaps, of elderly people who are lonely. There are so many elderly people who are lonely. Oh, that the Lord would ha- raise up more sons and daughters who could help address the longing of our lonely elderly who could stand in that gap. Maybe it's the groan of those who are disabled. Maybe you've lost your eyesight, or you've lost your healing, or there's some other disability going on. There's the groan of those who don't fit the world's narrow definition of of beauty, too fat, too ugly, too whatever. There's the groan of people who don't know their purpose, who don't know their value, are young people who don't know what their life is about, who don't understand their significance or their beauty, who don't know their purpose. Young people who don't know their purpose. That's a terrible, painful groan sometimes. The groan of those who are struggling with addiction, struggling with habits of sin that beat us up over and over and over again. The groan of those who are aging with bodies that don't work the same, That. Things sprout where they shouldn't be sprouting and they leave places where they should be and things like that. There's a migration of hair that just is following gravity somehow. Our minds are not as keen as they used to be. Maybe it's a groan related to work. We are created for work. We're created to do things and have vocation. There's a groan of those who don't have a job, a groan of no income, a groan of those who don't have the dignity of work. Maybe it's the groan of those who are entering retirement, the groan of those who have discovered that when you've left work, they are getting along without you marvelously. Maybe you're not as important as you thought. I don't know what groans disturb you. This world is filled with all kinds of groans. There's so many. But the Lord can help you to listen to those groans. Listen to those groans that disturb you. The second groan. The second groan is not on the groan chart. Uh, The second groan is your own heart, and we see that in verse 23. The groan of creation, groan number one. Groan number two is your own heart. We see that in 8.23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first spirit, have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. A redemption that's available to all of us. Notice how Paul describes this tension, Uh, the, the tension we live in as people of faith. We live in a tension. We have first fruits of the Holy Spirit, and yet we still wait for our full adoption, for full redemption, for the coming of our Lord, for the full healing that that he alone can bring. So we know something about these first fruits as well, don't we? We know what it feels like to be loved and accepted and forgiven in Jesus Christ. A lot of us know that first fruit. Uh, We know something of the joy uh, of what it means to belong to God's messy family. That for all the quirks and all the failures and all the things that we get wrong, we're still here trying, trying to do it better, trying to honor our Lord. We know something of that first fruits of what's being born in our messy little family of faith here. Maybe we know something of the first fruits of the Spirit's presence in our life to help console us, at times challenge us, to comfort us. Holy Spirit, we know this first fruits. He teaches us things that we cannot learn any other place. How God's scripture is a part of that beautiful process to transform us and clean us from the inside out. We know something of those first fruits. We are starting to learn how to listen to those things. We listen to those groans. And yet, still, We groan because of the tension that we are in. We groan because we are in this strange in-between time where we taste first fruits, but we still live in a broken world, a broken uh, world that is subjected to the futility of sin. We still have situations that we are engaging with, that we're powerless to fix. We are finding situations where uh, justice, it's just not there. We can't get the justice that we long for. Uh, we live in situations where there was a need for forgiveness and forgiveness never took place. We live in situations where love has been broken, maybe the beloved who has passed on, maybe a love that is broken in other means, um, a love that's been lost, people looking for love and have never found it. We live in that place of tension. So my friend Trevor, he always likes to say, we all sit next to a puddle of our own tears. Each and every one of us feels this tension in our own way, in our own particular way. And the pain we have in the groans of our heart, the groans that we make, if we learn to listen, Listen to those groans that are buried deep in our hearts. We can learn things. Because I would suggest that that is where Christ longs to meet us, where we are weakest. Do you have a limp in your life? Christ is in your limp. Do you have an Achilles heel in your life? Christ is there in your Achilles heel. He meets us where we are weakest. Where we are weakest, that's one of the places where we groan. The groan of those who have longed for a partner to share their life with and have never found one. The groan of those who can't have children. A particular groan of sadness for people who are infertile. The groan of those who are in a loveless marriage. You don't touch each other anymore. You don't hold each other anymore. That's a particular sadness. The groan of a parent who's torn up over the life choices their child is making and it's breaking their heart. The groan of those who are rejected. The groan of those who are overlooked. The groan of those who are ignored. The groan of those who are unappreciated. I don't know what groans disturb you. I don't know what groans disturb you. There are so many. But listen to those groans. Christ is already there waiting for you in that groan. The goodness of your king in his person and in his calling is that he's already there waiting for us in each of our individual and particular pools of tears. He's there in our tears. And what is he carrying there for us? He's waiting there with grace in his hands. All the grace that we need Grace to hold us, grace to heal us, grace to restore us. It's where we find the grace we need to keep going when things are hard. Can I invite you to listen to these groans of your heart? But there's still one more groan, one more groan that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 8, and it's the deepest groan. It is the deepest groan of all. And I want you to read with me how Paul describes this. So we have the groans of creation and the groans of our own heart and finally, the groan, the groan of God himself, the Holy Spirit's groans. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with the groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So let's, let's take this verse apart a little bit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Don't be scared of your weakness. Don't be scared of your weakness. That's the meeting place. That's where you're supposed to meet the Holy Spirit. King Jesus, he reveals for us several addresses in Scripture where we can find reliably find the Holy Spirit. He's in that place. And Paul gives us this one here. The Holy Spirit He's the one who addresses us and meets us in our weakness. Don't fear your weakness. That's the meeting place. Number two, we don't know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Have you had that experience of not knowing what you ought to pray for? We don't know what to say. We don't know what to ask for. Our words fail us in trying to describe the turmoil or the muck or whatever or the churning of our own hearts and our souls. We don't have the words for us. How do you put words to this? It's it's too much. It's too complex. We are at a loss to describe the realities of our own hearts sometimes. The Spirit is there in that place taking all of that stuff and turning it into a groan, a groan from God himself. So number three, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Read that, those words. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. We worship a God who groans. Let that sink in a minute. We worship a God who groans. God is not at a distance watching us, unconcerned, uncaring. God is not a cosmic stare. He's not unaffected by his creation. He cares deeply for it. God is in the middle of it all, He has come to us in Christ Jesus. He comes to us. He suffers with us. He hurts with us. He groans with us. And so I would say that God is the greatest sufferer in the entire universe. No one suffers more than God because of all of our collective suffering together, He has that. And on top of that, He has the sadness and the suffering of his very self in Jesus Christ. God is the greatest sufferer in the universe. He participates deeply in our pain. And yet the mystery is simultaneously that God is the most joyous being in all the universe. He suffers more than anyone, and he's the most joyous. So that's the first thing God who groans and then the second thing I'd like to point out is the Holy Spirit who's with us in these groans a Holy Spirit who's with us in these groans right now there is a prayer meeting going on in your heart and in your life 24-7, right now, we carry prayer around with us all the time of a Holy Spirit who is taking the prayer of Jesus and constantly praying it in us. A Holy Spirit who is taking all of our groans and bringing them in prayer to God the Father. That's an amazing thought to me, and i got to think about that some more. That in my life, there's a constant prayer meeting going on. A a longing of the Spirit to take the words of Jesus' own prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, helping me to revere and hallow the name of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done. A Spirit who is longing to help me understand and reveal the kingdom of God in my own heart and my own life. We have 24-7 prayer meeting going on inside us. What is your heart groans that the interceder is taking and carrying to God the Father right now? What are the desires of God and the prayer that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is longing me to pay attention to and to realize and to listen to right now? And so that's your sermon today. We need to get focused, simplicity. We need to get real, intercession, repentance, um, confession. And finally, number three, we need to get quiet. Get quiet, learning to pay attention to these groans. The groans that we have. The groans of creation. The groans of your own heart. The groans of God himself. And that is the prayer that I pray for us, that we learn to pay attention to those. Dad, you can come up. That's our invitation. If you want to put the Lord on in baptism, you need the prayers of this church. I'm going to stand right up here. You can come talk to me about that. Romans 8.21 says these words that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. You see, I think what the world needs more than anything else is not for smart people, not for more rich people, not for more powerful people, but more than anything else, what this creation needs is for sons and daughters of God who can listen to the groans, the groans of creation, the groans of our own hearts, the groans of God himself and all that he desires to make known to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's stand and sing together. I can hear my say your calling Your calling I can